0: One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.
1: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. everybody it is tuesday august 30th 2022 and it is indeed a heck of a morning live on the mma fighting twitter spaces show will be live in its entirety well not live but it'll be up on the mma fighting podcasting network upon conclusion the final edition of heck of a morning for the month of august it has been a crazy month and i appreciate all of you joining us however often that you can i am Mike A new week. We have a UFC card on Saturday. We did not have that last weekend, but we had a lot going on in the combat sports world. Some were a little freak show-ish, if you will. There were some impressive things that happened. I did watch the BKFC card. It was actually a lot of fun. The main events sort of left things to be desired, if you will, but some impressive performances on that card. John Dotson, hell of a BKFC debut. I feel like there's often times where you see longtime MMA fighters, longtime UFC fighters head on over to the BKFC ring and you're just like, oh man, like how is this going to go? You're kind of nervous. You're not really sure how things are going to play out. And then you see them fight and you're like, holy cow, this is actually kind of meant for them. You've definitely seen it with Mike Perry. I think he's probably the best example. BKFC was probably made for him. We saw it with Chad Mendez. He looked good in his BKFC fight. And we saw it with John Dotson. I mean, the hand speed, the quickness, the explosiveness. Plus, you add in a little bit of technique. I think John Dotson is going to have a successful run with BKFC. Took on... Now, I'd like to see him get in there with... Somebody not Ryan Benoit, a guy who like just came from the UFC, someone with a little more bare knuckle experience to really gauge that. But I feel like his style is explosiveness works really well, at least from what I saw in the, you know, less than two minutes that we saw, but he knocked Ryan Benoit down three times. The third one was the, the capper referee had seen enough. And John followed in his brother's footsteps, his brother, Eric, Made his pro combat sports debut. I think he had like a 23 second knockout. So the Dotson Brothers, a banner night. A banner night at BKFC 28 in Albuquerque, New Mexico is also a pretty good night for Christine Faria. She goes out there and just obliterates Taylor Starling. After the first punch she landed, Taylor is like, oh boy, this is uh this is not what I expected. This is not what I had hoped for. She was pretty much cooked right after that. She even said after the first knockdown, like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I blame her corner a little bit for not throwing in the towel there. Like, when your fighter is, like, literally yelling at you from the ring, I can't do this, I can't do this, and you just allow her to go back out there. I mean, we talk about this all the time. Like, the coaches know these fighters better, but I think there are certain situations. I mean, we're literally 25 seconds into the fight you kind of have to know at that point, like your fighter doesn't have it after just ca- kind of getting bolted in that situation. And they let her back out there. She got punched again and Starling surrendered. She just took herself out of the fight and good on her. She knew she didn't have it and you live to fight another day, but good win for Christine Faria. It was a fun card. I did not get to watch the KSI double header. I did luckily follow along on Twitter with Shu and Damon Martin and I learned everything I really needed to know, and then we had a little private Slack channel chat going on. I kind of wish I watched it, but then there are times looking at the Twitter threads where I was like, I'm so glad I didn't watch it, but I don't know. That was uh, basically the most notable things that happened on a UFC list weekend, but the UFC is back in action, their first card in Paris, France this Saturday. The main event is Surreal Gone versus Tai Tuivasa, big one in the heavyweight division. We also have the return of Robert Whittaker, takes on Marvin Vittori in the co-main event. That's a great fight. And it should be a fun card, and I love the early start time. So with that being said, let's just open things up and get after this, shall we? Four Corner Sports, I believe, is the first one on, on deck, so we'll start with him. Hello, sir. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> What's up, buddy?
2: Hey, So, I wanted to talk to you about... Um, so, I know we had a USC-less crazy weekend. But I really didn't watch any MMA. But my algorithm on YouTube ended up popping up about um, Jose Aldo. And I was thinking... I was like... I, I looked at this video and, and it said the best moments of Conor and Jose Aldo. And, and it made me really think. I was like... is it, To me, is like one of the biggest what-ifs. What would have happened if... Aldo would have been able to survive that 13-second you know, left-hand hook from Conor. And, like, how would we view I, – I feel like it would have changed, like, the whole dynamics of how we view Conor and Jose. Because anytime time I view Jose, I, I always think of that knockout, no matter how many, how much of a good run he had um, in the WEC and in the UFC. The reason I'm bringing this up is because I think I saw a post about his coach saying that he's going to have – He's not tiring. I think he wants to fight in UFC Brazil in January. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. And um, I saw a little bit of the Ariel versus Ariel um, interview with uh, Rafion Stotts versus uh, um, what's called Danny Sabatello. How do you envision that fight to happen? Um, I'm actually very intrigued on that fight. Um, I want to see if um, Danny is going to be able to, you know, keep Rafion from... um, from uh, what's it called, um, using his striking and stuff like that, because it just seems like Danny Sabatello doesn't have the the striking pedigree to keep up with Rafael Stotts. And then lastly, I wanted to ask you if you could only watch one thirty for 30, right, um, between the 30 for 30, if they make it DC and John Jones or Habib and Conor McGregor, which one would you watch? All right, thanks, Mike, and have a good one.
1: Thanks, buddy. Uh, the last question—it's DC and John Jones. It's not right. even close. I think there's more that happened there that we don't even know about. I'd love to get like sort of behind the scenes of that. And I've seen everything I've needed to see when it comes to Habib and Connor. It was a it was an awful build. Things got over the line many, many times. I mean, look, it was the biggest fight of all time. It was promoted in a way that we just kind of view the UFC in a completely different way because there. I mean, the the Dolly incident was i mean it's a black mark it, it's a black mark but it was also used as like the biggest promotional tool to build that fight up and yeah it, it's dc and John it's not not i mean those two brought, brought up the worst of each other as well but that one came to mind i i watched raw wwe raw last night i was like eh, i'll check it out i've been a little people are like oh no you got to give it a chance you got to give it a chance because i kind of crapped on the, the current pro wrestling product on on to the next one so i watched it i actually enjoyed it and they did a little split screen interview with matt riddle former ufc fighter and seth rollins and it was cool and then they went to commercial break and they came back and they're like they didn't realize it but they were still mic'd up and recorded it and they basically they did the whole john jones dc thing where seth rollins he didn't say the p word but seth rollins like hey you there And then said some awful things, and it was very reminiscent of that. So uh, that split-screen situation, the hot mics, definitely a memorable moment. Stotts and Sabatello, I I mean, I think you kind of laid it out perfectly. If Sabatello can't get this fight to the ground, he's in big trouble. Uh, But, I mean, Sabs can strike a little bit. I mean, go watch his Titan FC fights. He can strike a little bit, but he doesn't really need to. But if this fight goes to the ground, and I know Stotts is – very, very talented. Then Sabatello's going to win it. If, if Sabatello can get takedowns like he did against Leandro Ego and against pretty much everybody else he's fought for the most part, or he can control Stotts against the fence. it's going to be a long night for Stotts. But if Sabatello can't do, but if Sabs can't do that, he's, there's a very good chance he gets lit up in that fight. So that's a really interesting fight. I have to go with Sabatello just because I've gone out in public many, many times, and there's video evidence of this where I said Sabatello was going to win the whole damn thing before I even knew how the brackets were, were shaped up. But to me, the winner, whoever wins that fight's winning, winning the grand prix more than likely. So, although I, the other matchups good too, patchy him and like a made off. So we'll see what happens in December. And then the Jose Aldo thing, it's kind of tough to gauge. It's it's a, what if more in my eyes, like what would happen if they ran it back? Because on that night, with where Jose Aldo's head was from the entire, he was probably mentally exhausted from the build to that fight. Them traveling around the world, doing press conferences, and Connor just going off on him and getting over on him and taking the bell from him. And I mean, he really tested the way Jose Aldo looked at the sport because Jose was always a, a really respectable guy who had the martial arts mentality, and then you put a guy like that. And that sort of scene with Conor McGregor, not just on fight week, but for months, months and months and months, they traveled around and did press conferences. And then the fight got canceled and Conor's calling him out. And the fans are taking Conor's side. And everyone's turning their backs on Jose Aldo and Conor beats Chad Mendez. And then we have to build the fight back up again for December. I think by the time they got in there, like you can even see it on Jose's face when he walked out. When Bruce Buffer was announced to them, you could see it on Jose's face like, oh, man. Like, you could tell he had a lot on his mind. So that's one of those fights where when we look at rematches and how things could go, and we always ask the question, like, how can you do it better? I just don't know, like, if Connor would ever get up for that fight. But if Jose could, like, bulk up and get back to 155 or get, get up to 155 or something, I'd like to see. I'd, I would love to see those two guys fight again. It would be a, a crazy little what-if. But I don't think we're ever see it happen. And I don't think, I just think Connor wins that fight. I think the result is the same pretty much no matter what. Like if he, if he, if Aldo got bolted and then somehow was durable enough to get back up or something or keep the fight going, it just would have gotten worse for him. So I hate going down that rabbit hole, but that was just Connor's night and it wasn't Jose's. Connor won that fight. In the octagon, but he won it before that fight even took place. Just with the mental warfare. All right, let's go to a hid. What's up? Hey, buddy.
3: Mike, the disrespect for one championship is real mike not not a mention Uh, dj dj not a mention at the start of the show bkfc but not one championship i'm even like last friday not i didn't hear a mention someone asked but there was no mention and let's not obviously we will talk about demetrius johnson taking out adrian and marias like that incredible fashion but um there were other fighters on the car too and i'm saying this again mike i don't care what you say or anyone else says i'm right one championship is the second best promotion in combat sports Period. There is no other, like, BKFC, like, one of, uh, like, Bellator, PFL. It's just a bunch of, it's like, okay, second-level fighters, but one championship has the highest level in Muay Thai and in kickboxing and submission grappling, and we're seeing it. Like, Nongo, Guyanga down the co-main event, one of the pound-for-pound best in Muay Thai. But, like, let's talk about weight and DJ, because apparently DJ walks around at 136, so to fight someone who we all know those hydration laws that won championship are garbage Adriano Adriano probably yeah. a lightweight at that point. We all know it's garbage. And to beat someone like that, that's crazy. AK Lee was on here, but he left. I'm not sure about the number one ranking at flyweight. I, I get it, but I don't get it. It's like it, it, either or, but let's talk about Alex Pejera. Mike, I don't know if you've seen that video or that picture with Dominic Reyes. Everything about Alex Pejera is bigger than Dominic Reyes. Everything. Every part of his body is bigger. It's ridiculous. And that he's going to fight, is he? If I'm Alex, I might actually wrestle a little bit. It's so ridiculous. And lastly... 170 we got 279 uh, I feel like I've said this before fight disciples came back and they said they're British they know the British don't respect wrestling Leon pulled it out the bag lightning in a bottle congrat not lucky but he set it up but it's that was a one-time thing but the British fighters unless it's makakaev or Jack Shaw they don't respect wrestling and that's going to get exposed by like a top level wrestler like Usman. Colby's even worse, not worse, but it's not going to generate the type of value so you go with a favorable matchup even if it's Gilbert Burns. So it's Masvidal or Gilbert Burns. That's it. And lastly, Wonderboy I I feel for him. I think he should decline the fight. That's fine. But anything after, if he declines any more wrestlers, I don't support him in that. And that's all I've got with Shavkap. That's it. That's all I've got, Mike.
1: Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I mean, listen, I I forgot about one. How could I forget about that great moment from DJ? It's just Saturday was such a whirlwind with all the silliness that it almost, like, took away from it. But I will say, between Thursday and Friday with the whole hydration horse shit, it kind of turned me off to the whole thing. It's It's just so bizarre and weird, and it's just conniving in a lot of ways. It's, like, sneaky and weird, and then you just see Adriano basically having like he's probably bigger than one fifty five in that fight. Like DJ, it was like DJ fought up two weight classes and still got the win. Uh, as far as the rankings go, I didn't even I, DJ was my number three because it's just so it's so tough. Because how do you rank DJ? How do you rank him? Because and I don't mean this disrespectfully. I mean it like do you put him as a bantamweight? Because he's technically not a flyweight. Do you rank him as fly? Like, I don't know. So like I it's the same reason I didn't have Marius as number one because I, I just have too many questions about about a lot and like how do we like is, is should DJ be at 35 or in the rankings? Because he even said on aerial show yesterday he's not fighting at 125 anymore. Flyweight's 125. Like I know one is strange and they're like we support people not doing hard weight cuts. But then we get hydration test results, and we're like, how in the blue hell did Adrian Marias go from one hydration level to another in that short of amount of time and lose all of those numbers? It's just, it's just bizarre. It's just bizarre. And one's going to have to – they're going to have to open up the door a little bit more to, to give people more insight because it's just, it's just very strange and weird. But didn't mean to disrespect Mighty Mouse – Mighty, DJ, what a performance, what a knockout. It's definitely on the list for for KO of the year, for sure. And then with the Wonderboy-Rakmanov fight, if I'm Wonderboy, I ain't touching that fight. Stay away. Stay away. Watch the D-Rod-Kevin Holland fight. Both those guys are supremely active. And Wonderboy isn't going to be ready until the end of the year. November is probably the earliest from, from all indications. Let Holland and D-Rod do the damn thing September 10th, and then Wonderboy can get the winner. Both those guys will want to – as long as there's no broken bones or anything like that, it's going to keep them out for a while. Both those guys would be available in two months, more than likely. If there's any two guys in that division who would be, be able to bounce back in two months to fight Wonder Boy at MSG, it's Holland and D-Rod. So I think the winner of that fight should get Wonder Boy. I mean, Holland could wrestle a little bit. D-Rod can wrestle if he needs to, but I think for the most part, those two are going to stand there and just try to punch Wonderboy in the face, and it'd be interesting. But to, to feed Wonderboy Rachmaninoff is just it's good for Shavka. I mean, that does nothing for Wonderboy. It really doesn't. Because even if Wonderboy wins, it'll just be like, well, I guess Rachmaninoff wasn't as good as we thought he was. He doesn't get put over in a big way. Especially with where the division's at right now. There's... All the craziness with Leon and the trilogy with Usman and everything else going on, just a uh, just not time. If Usman had won, maybe I would entertain that. Because if Wonder Boy beats Rachmanov, he's in the he's in the discussion. But right now, with sort of where everything is right now at the top of the division, doesn't really do much for Wonder Boy right now. Let's go to Kayfay. Hello. Hey,
2: Mike. Uh, actually. I hit just kind of hit every point that I was wanting to talk about, mainly just the the DJ disrespect. Um, and since AK is actually in here, I can say happy birthday in person for once. Have a great day, y'all. There Heck of a morning.
1: Thank you. I again, I don't need to be be disrespectful. The daco is incredible. The performance is incredible. but is going to be a problem, hundred percent. But. Again, one just rubs me the wrong way in a lot of different ways with the hydration thing. And just be just be more of an open book about it. Like don't don't be a sneak. Just what they need to do is they need to fly AK out to their events. They need to pay him to MC their weigh-in process. So we could all see it ourselves and have AK host it because there's nobody better in the space that could host those weigh-ins than AK. I mean, John Anik's great, but John's under contract. Bring on AK to MC those. I'd watch. And that would answer a lot more questions. That drives me insane. Just like, we, we all know, like, we, we shouldn't have to be like, well, I guess one's just letting him fight. When we're, we're looking at these hydration results and we're like, how is this even physically possible? But I digress. But great win for DJ. I don't mean to disrespect the band. He's a Mount Rushmore fighter. One of the greatest of all time. Avenged a loss with one of the best knockouts of the year. It's just... What what one does rubs me the wrong way. A lot of times. But great. Listen, they put on good cards. I'm not trying to knock them for that. But just some of the things they do behind the scenes in terms of the... When you're the... When you are at the top of the fighter safety mountain, as you proclaim, and you try to reach the billions and billions of viewers who watch your product, but yet you're not open, you can't show the weigh-ins publicly, like, come on now. Like, we're past this. It's 2022. Get it together. Figure it out.
0: Hi, I'm Neil patel host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now, on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcast. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater.
3: Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Outline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smart Water Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.
1: Let's go to Yasser. Yasser, are you there? Hello, Mike. Yes, sir. Hello, sir.
4: Hello, my friend. Hi. Thank you for having me. Of course. Um, I just want to, to uh, ask you about, uh, you know, the next show about uh, uh, Tai Tuivasa versus uh, Gan, I think his name like that. Uh, I think uh, Tai Tuivasa Tui is the the future of, of the, the heavyweight. I don't know if you agree with me or not. So what do you think about uh, about this fight? And uh, the second question is, uh, do you think that Nate Diaz is, has the chance to, to beat uh, uh, Hamzat because, you know, Nate has, uh, Uh, high card you know like like how can I say it you know he's like durable he is a monster you know he can fight for five rounds without any any issues in 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 the movement and he has uh, knockout power or or or, you know you know what I mean so what do you think about uh, those two two fights And thank you again for for having me.
1: Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I think Nate has a chance. Is it a great chance? No, but this this is the type of fight where Nate has to play the long game. He has to survive the onslaught. He has to absorb probably a ton of punishment to get where he needs to go. But if he can do that, like if Shamayev starts just unloading on him and can't finish him and this fight gets extended... I think Nate definitely has a chance to win. But if this fight's going to get finished inside of three rounds, it's probably going to be from Shemaev, But if we go to rounds four and five, Nate's got a chance. Now, I'm picking Shamiyev to win. But the thing about Nate Diaz is all he needs is one moment. He just needs one moment. And even if he loses, that's all he needs. The momentum stays where it's at. If not, exceeds it. Just look at the Leon Edwards fight. He lost like every second of that fight until he hurt him. In the fifth round in the, in the final minute leon survives and all we're talking about is oh nate almost finished him leon isn't as good as we thought he was nate's the man pride rules nate wins street rules nate wins all of that and that's what nate does nate is so good at that it's incredible it's incredible but i think shamaev's gonna win but again and people will disagree with me The longer the fight goes, the more it favors Nate Diaz, and that's absolutely true. With the Tai Tuivasa thing, I wouldn't say he's the future of the division, but he's a guy the UFC has to jump on right now. Right now. I was saying after Tai Tuivasa knocked out Derek Lewis that Tai Tuivasa's next fight should be for a title. He should have been fighting for the interim belt or something because eventually... What is happening here is going to stop. He is a power puncher. He is super fun to watch. He's a he's a potential star for the company. He's just super fun. Like who he got? A, he got like a baby face rub in Houston after knocking out Derek Lewis. There are not many people who could do that. Ty's got a lot of momentum right now. He's got outside of baby Curtis Blades. He's got probably the most nightmare matchup he could get right now. But all he needs is to land one big shot, and he can win. If Tai Ivasa beats Zero Gan, geez Louise, that'll be insane. It'll be nuts. And then you have to give him a title fight. Enough is enough. If he, if Tai Tuivasa beats Zero Gan, he's at the head of the pack. He jumps Curtis Blades. He's the guy. And then we'll see how everything else plays out. Whether it's John or John versus John Jones versus Francis Aganu whether they do John Jones versus Stipe for an interim or they strip Francis Gano because he's not going to re-sign, Tai Tuivasa gets the winner. 100%. You have to do it. You have to do it. You have to do it quickly. Because eventually he's going to lose, and then that's it. It's all over. And he's still fun, and he can still draw, and he still creates interest for sure, but Tai Tuivasa, UFC title challenger, he's probably only going to get one chance at it. But you gotta do it quick. That's why I was screaming for it after the Derek Lewis knockout. Just give him a freaking title fight. Just do it now. Just do it now. Because if he wins, that's one of the greatest stories ever. And if he loses, oh well. He can just go have fun fights and people will still love the guy. Just like Derek Lewis in a lot of ways. Let's go to Mikey Bats. Mikey.
5: Not buddy, not much, man. Um, first of all, I'm a Demetrius Johnson fan, so let's get this that clear out the way before anybody hey, like, misconstrues what I'm about to say. But it's kind of funny how it feels like MMA Twitter hasn't kept the same energy for DJ this whole time. Now everyone's like, "Oh, look, it's awesome! He's winning! He's are tuning into his fights." I'm like, "Where was this seven years ago when he was dominating the UFC?" Listen, two things can be true: the UFC kind of dropped the ball in promoting him. But people, MMA fans just didn't admit they didn't care. They didn't care about flyweight. And that's understandable. Flyweight was new back then. Not a lot of the elite fighters that are there now, but I don't want to hear this nonsense about how, you know, Oh, you know, we were watching the whole time. They're like, no, you didn't, you didn't freaking care. Yeah. The UFC could have put them in better spots. Sure. Could they promote them better? Absolutely. But ultimately they, you can only lead a horse to water and you can't force them to drink. You know what I mean? And, um, as for one, it's not that I never had a problem with one championship. It's just, can they just, like, figure out what they want to be? You know? Like, either you're an MMA promotion or you're not. And trying to crib off all these other styles. Oh, we want to host boxing, kickboxing, and grappling. It's like, so you want to be an MMA promotion but separate literally all the styles because you can't convince these, like, exclusive grapplers to fight in MMA. You know what I mean? So, it's, like, it's kind of funny to me. Like, I like them. I love watching them Watching them since their inception. We know when they had those ostentatious titles, you know, one dragon slayer and some stuff like that, but finally, and then, and then it's fun, you know, Chatri a couple few years ago at the height of Congress popularity actually had the audacity to say, we would never sign him. He doesn't embody everything of one. I'm like, yes, you would sign him. Stop lying to people. You know I mean? That's, that's the thing. It's like, stop acting like you're like better than everyone. It's like, oh, it's, you know, we're exemplifying all these virtues in martial arts. I'm like, you're an Asia, bro. <laughs> like, stop. Also, it's funny that they're sitting there, they're trying to be the spiritual successor to Pride while Ryzen's there, and they haven't done a show together. So I kind of find it interesting. Anyways, can't wait till this card. Um, listen, Surreal gone is the favorite. He likely will win. But let's all have some fun and cheer for freaking Taito Vasa because if he wins, Heavyweight will get fun. That'll be all this morning. Much love, guys. Happy birthday, AK.
1: Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I, I... I... I mean, I don't mind that they do different things on these cards. Like the DJ rod Tang fight was super cool and super fun to watch. So like, I I don't mind the mixing of the martial arts in a number of different ways on their cards. What I mind, I do agree with you that one can't figure out their identity and it's not because of that. It's just all the sort of empty promises, all the things that like Chachri says that like their lighter divisions are better than the UFC's, which is just not true at all. It's just not true. It's crazy. They, they basically are saying like from welterweight down, they say basically they say Chachri I think this is like last year he said this, but Chachri said that the UFC is better light heavyweight and heavyweight divisions, but every other division favors one. That's just, it's, just garbage. It's not true. It's just not true. <laughs> it's silly. Just I mean, come on, just like just be honest. At least like like Scott Coker says like some silly things, but at least he's not gonna like he says like some of his divisions are better than UFC. And there are you can at least have conversations about whether or not Bellator has I mean, I guess in a way like you could say one has the best flyweight, but Demetrius isn't even really a flyweight. He's a one flyweight, which is basically a UFC bantamweight. And how would DJ do against Sterling or Dillashaw or Jan or O'Malley or any of these guys at 35 in the UFC? Like we don't know. We don't know. It's not the same thing. And how dare you? How dare you say that your lightweight division is better than the UFC's? That's just silly. It's just silly. Like, Coker could say, like, we have the Corey Anderson. He could say, like, Corey Anderson's the best light heavyweight in the world. And at least you can have a conversation about that. It's, we have a conversation internally about that on our rankings. We have people who have Corey Anderson number one. We have people who have Yuri Prohashka number one. There's a, at least a discussion to be had there. But to say, like, the only divisions that the UFC is better than yours is light heavyweight and heavyweight? Come on, dude. Come on. Come on. It's just silly. Just, I understand you have to promote your brand and you have to say you're great and you have to throw yourself a parade in these types of situations. But to say that is just not right. It's just not true. It's just not true. And I'm waiting for them to come back to the United States. Like, what are we doing here? What are we doing? I don't know. Let's go to
6: Milo. Milo. Uh, hey, Mike. Heko, uh, Good morning to you. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes, sir. Awesome. Great. So I want to uh, share some thoughts, maybe about uh, kind of the up- upcoming matches uh, between Nate and Kamzat. I think Kamzat, in his interview, is showing a lot of respect to uh, to Nate and the fact that he has a great conditioning. I think it's a great uh, opportunity for, for him also to go up m- to work multiple rounds and improve his cardio. So just like w- with uh, Nate versus Leon, I think found a five-round uh, fight is very crucial for that to improve and uh, test himself out. So I think it also kind of creates the door for him. Should he beat Nate? And I think he will. Uh, the matchup between him and Colby, which I think a lot of people are anticipating, including myself. I think it will be an awesome match. And uh, as Dana said, uh, Colby is ready to fight. So should Kamzat roll past Nate, I think it's uh, yes, Kamzat versus Colby. Now, in terms of the Gun versus Tuivasa, I think obviously Gun uh, is a dessert favorite, and he will look to shine uh, on his home home turf. Um uh, and then should win this matchup against Tuivasa, So I think in terms of what's next for him, uh, with Nganu being on the side sidelines, I think what UFC is going to do is have Gun, uh versus Blades uh, for an interim title, and then the winner gets Nganu should he resign, uh, should he renew his contract, right? So that's, I think, uh, the future for Gun. Uh For Tuyvasa I think in his role, uh, he will kind of, um, he will step in the role not... Uh, it, it, it's an interesting position he's in because he's at the top of the lightweight division. So I I totally see UFC maybe utilizing him as a stepping stone for Pavlovich because Pavlovich is on the rise and he's a potential contender. So in terms of the matchup, I see future fights such as uh, to conclude Kamzat versus Colby. Uh, Gun versus Blades for an interim title and then Tuivasa versus Pavlovich is another fight that's on the horizon for the Tuivasa, which I don't think is a bad proposition for him. That's all I have to say. Have a heck of a morning and uh, yeah, cheers.
1: Thanks, buddy. Yeah. I mean, I could see all of those things happening. But yeah, and to go back to the Hamzat giving him a five-round fight, that's why I was saying, like, from Jump Street, just do Hamza versus Leon for the interim title. And then Usman gets the winner. It just would have created a bigger fight. But, I mean, look, if technically I was wrong, hindsight being what it is, because we, we would have not gotten the moment that we had a couple of weeks back because that was an incredible one. One of the all-time great moments we will ever we will ever see. In terms of. And then one other thing I just I, I just kind of wanted to add it about add about the DJ thing. It's been a pretty good like it was pretty a pretty good week stretch for DJ because one of the things that I noticed a lot after Leon Edwards won was the flowers, the respect going to DJ. After Usman lost, people are went back and we're like, man, DJ had 11 title defenses in a row. That just seems like almost impossible now. So it's almost like DJ got a lot more respect in, in a lot of ways after watching a guy like Kamara lose to Leon Edwards in, in the way that it happened, just reiterating something that I say all the time, that Jed Bashu says all the time, and, and most of us say all the time that while other sports are very hard, the hardest thing to do, in my opinion, in all of sports is to be a long-reigning UFC champion and just have to defend that title over and over and over and over again and try to get everybody's best. You have to be great. If you have an off moment and you lose, like it's just gone, especially in this sport where it's, look what you've done for me lately. You're only as good as your last fight. Like Those sound like cliches, but that's how people view the sport. Look at what happened to Amanda Nunes. She's done. She's washed. She doesn't want to fight anymore. And then she comes out in the rematch against Juliana and just sort of blows the doors off of her. And we're like, see, she's, she's still the best women's fighter in the world. I don't think so. I still lean Valentina in that, but you know what I mean. That's just how the sport is. And that's how all sports are. Winning changes everything. Tiger Woods for a long time was one of the biggest pieces of shit in all of sports. He's going through everything that he was going through. And once he won a tournament, it was like none of it ever happened. So, there you go. Winning changes everything. So, we'll see how everyone looks at the rematch. And if Usman can win, w- what happens then? But yeah, I think Hamzat, on the other end, Tuivasa, we'll see what happens with that fight. We'll see what happens with Ghan. Ghan will probably have to fight Blades if he wins. And then... If you do want to do Hamzat, Colby, great. Or if Adesanya beats Pereira and Hamzat's like, nah, I ain't, for, I ain't waiting for the 170. Let's go up to 185. Could do that too. The UFC is not going to stop him. That'd be up to Adesanya, obviously, but that'd be the biggest fight Adesanya can get if he beats Pereira. That's for damn sure.
7: Let's go to the combat guy. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Good. How are you, man? I'm good. Uh, I was just wondering about Jalton
2: Almeida and how far he can go in the heavyweight division. You know, being undersized and all, and when you think he's gonna move down to the like, heavyweight. Uh, my other thing was about Masvidal. You know, I think they want to set up that Leon fight eventually, but you know, being 0-0 and three in his last three, I feel like that's a that's a hard sell right now. So, and I know they wanted to do Burns, but I feel like he just loses that. So, what's well, a fight they can do that that's winnable? uh, and then maybe they, they set up a, a title fight with Leon. Thanks for your time,
1: Mike. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, Mazdal's going to be interesting. But again, it's it's kind of too soon because, I mean, I, I spoke to him earlier this month on the Mean Streets of Savannah, Georgia. And he can't take any fights right now because I think his trial starts tomorrow. At least that's with the, the public records state. So he's got to wait and see how that all plays out. And then he can kind of figure it out but if he had his druthers he would fight connor he's down for the burns fight he think he likes the burns fight because of the challenge cuz he knows burns is going to try to take him down and he wants to he wants to fight a guy like that he's a competitor i mean he's uh he's a prize fighter but he likes the burns fight he thinks it's a good challenge for him he thinks he can win so but you could throw Mazidol in there. Like you could give Mazidol Wonderboy. Like you could do that fight. You could do. They fought before. They Wonderboy won the first fight, but you could do it again. Both guys said they won it. So I mean, that's a that's a direction you can go to. And if you're gonna set up or try to position Mazidol to maybe get Edwards if he beats Usman, like you have He has to win a fight. He has to. I don't think they're just going to willy nilly throw him in there. Like it makes sense financially. Like it's going to do well on pay per view. But I just, with where this division is at right now, with Hamzat in in play, and you know even Colby coming back, is Colby's now in in this mix too with Leon? Mazal needs a win. The story's there. You could just play the three pieces of the soda clip over and over again. But I think I think there would, would be some eye rolls too. But if Mazal gets one win against anybody in the top 10, it would be more easily digestible for a lot of people. But we're, we're going to see the trilogy first, unless Usman gets hurt or something. Let's go to Rel. Hello, Rel. Heck up Good morning, Mike. How you doing? I'm really?
8: good. So I just got one statement. I mean, maybe two statements and a question. So one statement. I mean, WWE keeps scheduling their events. Like, It seemed like right at the same time as UFC, and it's been happening lately. And I don't know why, but they need to stop. Like, I like getting my UFC on Saturday and my WWE on Sunday. I'm used to that. Stop scheduling it right at the same time as UFC. Just like this week. They're going early on a pay-per-view on Saturday. Ain't that funny? The UFC doing the same thing? I I think there's something there. And then I wanted to ask you your opinion on there's like a there's a thing in boxing right now where it seemed like the big fights matter more than the belts. And I wanted to ask your opinion if you do you think that's something I that could ever cross over in the MMA to where we're more focused on getting big fights between like two stars rather than the actual champions or whoever has the belts. Have a good morning.
1: Yeah, I mean we're we're getting it next Saturday, <laughs> getting Shamaya versus Nate Diaz. That fight in a vacuum makes absolutely no sense. This is a... It just makes no sense. It makes no sense. It is what it is. It's two big stars. People are going to be interested. The build on fight week will be fun. But the UFC's already been there. Like, they're already... They're already there. And the UFC just loves putting belts on things. Like, they have just created interim titles... Like there are certain, like to this, at this point, the interim title thing, I don't really care as much about, like, cause they're once, once you grasp what it actually is, it's just a glorified number one contender fight. The fighters get more money. It's, we just put a belt there, but a lot of times, like you don't need a belt. You don't need about like Masvidal Diaz didn't need the stupid BMF title. It didn't. I mean, it was like a cool little build. But then you actually saw the belt, and you're just like, "Wow, this is the exact same thing as a UFC belt," and you realize just how dumb the idea was to begin with. And then you like certain times, like like Holly Holm, Jermaine, like they just invent divisions, invent titles. But the UFC is already kind of there. Like they might just put an interim belt on the line for these things. But Michael Bisbing versus Dan Henderson was a title fight we never needed to see. There were when you had Robert Whitaker... You had Yoel Romero, who were, like, clearly one and two, or you could shuffle them up however you'd like. But then he goes and defenses title against Dan Henderson. It made no sense. It made no sense. But the UFCs, that's what they do. It's not about – for the UFC, it's not about meritocracy. Certain points it is. Once Leon Edwards, you know, extended the unbeaten streak to 10, it was like, all right, like 10 – in a row like we'll just do the damn thing and get it done but for the most part that's why we got the colby rematch instead of leon that's why we got the mazdal rematch instead of leon probably too i mean that's that's what they do they put the biggest fight possible that they can whether it makes sense or not and boxing in my opinion doesn't do that enough there's like certain fights that are like, okay, we have to do it now, we have to do it now, and then it just doesn't happen. We have to wait like three or four. The Mayweather Pacquiao fight is like a perfect example. We should have got that fight like three or four years earlier, and then we waited till Pacquiao was on the back end of his career. Mayweather in some way, I mean, was still great, but still kind of in the back end of his career. Like it was still a big draw, a big buy, but it would have done even big, it would have been even bigger. Like three years before that. So I don't know. I, I, think, I think the UFC is kind of more in the let's strike while the, iron's hard, uh, the iron is hot business than boxing is right now. I mean, there are certain things in boxing that, but also the boxing world has changed. Look at where we're at right now. Look at where we're at. We have Jake Paul. We have KSI. KSI boxed twice on Saturday against two non, not good boxers. Two of the very worst we've ever seen get in the ring. And I'm not gonna talk numbers, but the amount of traffic that that event got on our website, it's mind boggling. It's mind boggling. How many people cared about what happened on that card? It's bizarre. It's incredible. And now we're living in a Jake Paul world and there's reports coming out that Jake is fighting Anderson Silva on October 29th, which by the way, if that ends up being the case, Oh boy. I will I will have a lot of respect for Jake Paul if he takes that fight. I mean that's literally the best thing he could do right now is fight Anderson Silva. He's gotta stick with this MMA thing. And you go fight you go fight the guy that no one thinks you can beat. Because no one thinks he beats Anderson Silva. I've been, I mean I've been doing this show for what? Five months now? And every time we talk about Jake Paul, it's well, he's never going to fight Anderson Silva because he'd get washed. He'd get run over. Well, if that's the fight, we got to give Jake some props. Got to give Jake some props. But this is this is the boxing world. Boxing's all over the place. It's just it's it's just wild. If you told me like fifteen, twenty years ago, when I'm watching Mike Tyson, Lennox Lewis, or even more than that, twenty five years ago, whatever, that we'd be seeing social media stars selling out Madison Square Garden or or whatnot, I'd be like, get the hell out of here. No way. We got freaking Adrian Peterson fighting Le'Veon Bell on a boxing card. I think September 10th that one's happening. It's just crazy. So, yeah, there's some of that in boxing, but if we're talking, putting the UFC in a and they've been on the let's make money while we can, put the biggest fights together possible with the biggest stars more than This guy deserves this. This guy deserves that. I stopped using the word deserves in MMA six years ago.
3: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer
7: And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com.
1: Let's go to Abswalia.
7: Hello. Yeah, hello. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. Yep. So I just wanted to speak on the just two things. The first thing is the Paris card. Uh, let's say, assume the Cyril um, Gunn wins. You know, I would say he should fight. Steve A next, you know, or Curtis Blade, because we don't know what's happening with John Jones or, you know, and Garner, presumably, you know, if he even returns, or John Jones is going to return this year. Uh, and Ty, probably he could fight for the title next, you know. It, anything could happen. And my second thing is um, regarding the Hamza fight. I think, like I said um, last week, if Hamza wins, I think he should move up to middleweight, fight Rob Woodtaker or, you know, whoever wins that Victoria match. So he can prepare himself for the middleweight class, and that gives him experience. And if he's at welterweight, um, you know he should fight Colby because you know, uh, Covington's a very good matchup, and you know it's someone who's in his prime. And it, if if can win that, it gives him a legit, you know, win on his win string. It makes it seem more convincing that he deserves the title shot next because he's in his prime, and I don't I don't think it would make sense that he waits more time waste, you know. His best year is just to, you know, get the best matchup. Yeah, that's all I have to say.
1: Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I to me, the Cyril gone thing is it's Curtis Blades. I mean, maybe Stepe. who knows? But again, this all depends on, you say it all depends on John Jones. I actually think it all depends on Francis Ganu here because if Francis, I'm actually going to be speaking with Eric Nixick a little bit later on today. Uh, maybe I'll get some kind of update on where Francis is at. I don't know if we're going to get any updates on contract or negotiations with the UFC. I doubt we'll get any of that insight because Eric's a coach and not a manager, but I'm sure he'll give me some insight to what Francis looks like physically and when he might be able to fight. So I'm curious to see where he's at there. But last I heard Francis wants to fight maybe before the end of the year or, or, uh, early next year. And at this case, like, if you're building towards John Jones, Francis Ngannou, if the only reason you were doing John Jones-Stipe was to do an interim belt with the chance of maybe John Jones fighting Francis, just wait another month. Just wait. Just wait till Francis is ready at this point. So I think it all depends on Francis. Like, is he going to resign? Is he going to stay in the UFC? Is he going to move on? Who knows? We'll see what happens there. But if Francis resigns in the UFC... They're going to go right to that John Jones fight, and they should. And that kind of sucks for Stipe because I don't think he's going to want to fight Cyril Gahn. I don't think that's going to get him excited. I think the only thing Stipe would want to come back and fight for is for the belt. And I don't really blame him for being honest. The relationship between him and the UFC has been a pretty rocky one, for being honest. And Stipe's pretty happy with his whole life right now. Got kids, married, firefighter life. I'm sure, he's making good money. Outside of that, with like sponsorships and all this other stuff, like I'm sure he's doing just fine. So, yeah, I think if Gon wins, he'll probably end up fighting Curtis Blades and we go from there. Someone asked about Jaylton Almeida a little bit earlier. Uh, I think this guy's a problem. I think he's going to just run over poor Shamil moth next Saturday and. Yeah, he might be like a little undersized right now. What was he? He was what two twenty five? But he's just gonna get bigger. He's just gonna bulk up and get bigger. The guy is still in his. He's thirty one, so he's still technically in his athletic prime. He'll probably put on like ten or fifteen more pounds. Because you got to remember, he's supposed to fight Max Grishin on that May card before Grishin withdrew, and then he bumped up to heavyweight just to stay on the card and fight Pacquiao. And Porter is like the big side of heavyweight. I think Porter is like. Two sixty or something like that, two fifty five, something of that nature. And he just ragged all them. So Jalen's a freak. Dude is a problem. So it's a, if he, I don't think he's going to go back to two hundred five, or at least he's not going to do it anytime soon. Because I think with his athleticism, his power, the skills he brings to the table, this guy could fly right up the rankings. And I was super high on romanoff and then we saw what happened against Marcin Tabor, And, yeah, maybe the altitude had something to do with that. But this guy, if he goes out there and just steamrolls Abdurahimov next Saturday, we could be looking at another, another big-time player in the heavyweight division. So, guys, just an absolute monster. And then with Hamza, yeah, I mean, Colby makes sense. 85 title makes sense. There's lots of stuff you could do with with Shamaya. It all depends on him. If Shamaya's just like, nope, my next fight's for the welterweight title. I'm not doing anything else. I get it. I don't know if that's how he's going to portray this, but if the UFC wants to do an ABC type of card again and do a five-rounder with Colby and have him in the main event, pay him a bunch of money to do it, yeah, maybe he'll do it. I don't know. We'll probably learn more next week during the media day and the press conference and all that stuff, but we'll see. Let's go to Zach. Hello, Zach. Zach? Just got to unmute. Zach, are you there? All right, try again, Zach. I'll get you back in. Let's go to Average Avenues. Perhaps. The wheel is spinning. There we go. Average
5: Avenues. What's up, buddy? One question for you about Charles um, and Islam. Uh, what is the chance that the grappling cancels each other out, and um, it becomes like a striking battle? And in in, in that situation, I think that Charles would easily win. And I just want to echo what someone said before. Let's let's make this fun. Huh? Let's screw the odds. Let's just support our our boy Tuaivasa, huh? You know, I'm, I'm I'm getting behind my country, man, for sure, SA and all that. <laughs> anyway, have a heck of a morning, man.
1: Thanks, buddy. Uh, and by the way, go and uh, like on Tapology. I think I, I might have been the only one from the MA fighting crew that picked two Vasa to beat Derek Lewis. So I got that one right. It's a tough matchup for him. It, it really is, but. I just has that power, man. He's super durable and he's sneaky and fast. And I think Gon's going to win a decision, but I mean, I don't know. Whoa. Seeing reports, Logan Paul. No, get the hell out of here. Logan Paul versus Zab Judah. Really? Wow. Okay. I mean, that's... I don't know if that's true or not, but we'll see. I have reached out about this whole situation with the Pauls and the Silvas, and I've heard nothing. I talked to multiple people who said nothing to say, no comment, or news will be announced in the coming days or next week. Uh, A lot of stuff that you've seen on Twitter when it comes to the Jake Paul Anderson Silva fight, but Logan Paul versus Zab Judah would be just very bizarre, but I don't know. That's neither here nor there. And yeah, Ty two Vasa got a chance. No doubt about it. And it would be pretty crazy if he won. And then he should fight for the belt next. All right, Zach, do we have you? Hi, Mike. Can
0: you hear me? Yes. Hi. Um, so I was just wondering, what are your thoughts? I feel like a lot of people aren't really taking into account that uh, Kamaru Usman was knocked out so cold, how that can affect the next fight in the trilogy. And also, I just wanted to touch on all the talk of 1FC and Bellator and PFL. I think, um, I think instead of ranking them, like who's the
1: next behind USA, I think it should all just be lumped together. I don't think your MMA fan is like, oh, I don't watch Bellator. I don't. I only watch PFL, so on and so forth. Um, so, um, I'll uh, take your thoughts off air. Thank you. I mean, it's not a bad way to look at it. I mean, technically, that's kind of what it is. It's just a battle for Ember two. The UFC. I mean, the UFC is just so far ahead of everybody; it's just not even close. And honestly, if we're judging by. Like interest of traffic and stuff for the most part, okay. And I know this is an MMA, but just stay with me here for a second, just because I, I see what I see. If you had a regular one championship event, a Bellator event, a PFL event on the same night, and you had a BKFC event on the same night as the other three MMA promotions. I would be very, very, very confident that the BKFC results page is going to get more traffic than all of them. People care. I mean, maybe they're not going to go out and watch it, but they want to know what happens and on that card more than anything else. And it happens all the time. It happens all the time. And there, there have been times where BKFC, like the UFC would have – like an afternoon card and then BKFC would have like a night card on the same day and the BKFC traffic would just crush the UFC, crush them. I mean, I know it's on MMA, but whatever they're doing, it's, it's, it's garnering interest. It it definitely is. It's got people talking, but yeah, I, 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 that's not a bad way to look at it. It's like the UFC and everybody else, but I think it's like a fun little conversation to have between one and PFL and and Bellator, and it just seems like every time one of these promotions get momentum, they do something dumb. And they're like, it's like they run into a wall of dumbness. (laughs) It's like, it's it's just, it's crazy. Bellator will do it, shoot themselves in the foot. They don't promote their cards enough. And then PFL takes their playoffs international where their favorites who were... The the ones who are probably going to win the million dollars can't even friggin' travel there. It's insane. And then one with the whole hydration thing and just some of the things that Chachri says, it's just like everything right now. One has all this momentum. And then Bellator comes in doing the media rounds. They had a nice little thing with AJ McKee opening up about uh, on the M.A.R. about having a sort of mental breakdown after the loss to Patricio Pitbull. Because I got a whole different AJ McKee when I, when I talked to him a couple weeks ago. I got a guy that's just like, eh, I didn't care about that fight. I wasn't even motivated. Like, how could I do it better after just running him over in the first fight? I wasn't even motivated for it. You find out a little bit, he's a little more laxed. He's a little more open in that setting. I got just fired up, angry AJ McKee. And the guy who showed up in studio with Ariel was the opened up, sort of open book. This is what I really dealt with AJ McKee and it was interesting. And then of course the the, the Stott-Sabatello thing was was fun and they're just going to build the hell out of that but then they went and did multiple face-to-face interviews and I'm like, ah, oh, man, you can't water this down. You can't. You can't water this down. And you just question decision-making there and then PFL just just bad decision-making all over the board. Like they might have – PFL probably has, like, the bigger star out of anybody because they have Kayla. And I think Kayla – but Kayla's not really fi- – I don't know. It's, it's just weird. But Bellator will probably move up, and then they'll do something not smart, and then <laughs> PFL will have their championship, and it'll probably be, like, a 37-hour card, and we're going to be so mad that we sat through all of it. Only to see Kayla just destroy Larissa Pacheco again. And we're like, oh, why do we sit through 37 hours of a PFL card for the result we knew we were gonna get? And then we wait till they do it again next year. But I like what they're trying to do, anyways, like with the signings. Like I like, I love the Shane Burgo signing. I'm sure there's a little more movement on the on the free agency end. I don't know. But it's just it's really fat. I'd like to see a thirty for thirty on the Battle of Number Two, and just see how how they each each promotion has held that spot for like a week, and then they do something to lose it because it happens all the time, and it's pretty fun. Let's go to Cleve. I think that's what it says. Yeah, it's great. What's up, man? Oh, no, man? How you doing? No oh, good. Uh, I had a question about.
5: Beatrice uh, Johnson had won the championship. at one. Do you do you think that uh, the UFC lost the trade battle
1: with in, in Askren? Like one has a bet, like he won this trade off against Ben. They got the better. Uh, you broke up for most of that, but I think I heard what you said. Do you do you feel like the UFC lost the trade with one because they got DJ and the UFC got Ben Askren? No, I don't. I mean, in pure MMA talent, yeah, I, yes. Demetrius Johnson is the more skilled fighter than Ben Askren was as a mixed martial artist. I don't even think that's a conversation to be had, right? But what Ben Askren did for the UFC in the short amount of time he was there was pretty spectacular. He had that crazy fight with Robbie Lawler, that, like, Robbie probably should have won or it shouldn't have been stopped. There's a weird finish. And like Ben got over, Robbie got over. We had that iconic moment with Robbie and, and Herb Dean where he's pissed at Herb Dean. And he's like, nah, man, you're the best. You're great. I love you, buddy. That was awesome. And then without that trade, we don't get Jorge Mazadal the superstar. We don't get him. That flying D and everything that came from that, it's just so invaluable. It's massive life-changing moment for Mazdal iconic moment for the company it led to the BMF title fight selling out Madison Square Garden it led to the two fights with Usman it led to the Colby fight and even Mazdal now is still a star and it's because of the Ben Askren fight it's true like he he could win lose whatever He can lose five fights in a row, but people still care about what Jorge Masvidal does. And if that trade doesn't happen, who knows? But just think, like, we talk... It's amazing. Masvidal is, like, the perfect example of how fans can turn on a fighter at the drop of a hat. Because when Masvidal knocks out Darren Till and then he flying knees Ben Askren and everything that happened that year, everybody in the fan space, was so happy for this guy. This guy paid his dues. He went through so much. He deserves this. I mean, he fought so hard. Like, look at all he's done in his career. And finally, he's getting that moment. And now, he loses a few fights. And it's just like, this guy sucks. He's washed. He's terrible. How dare you put him in the discussion for a title fight with Leon Edwards. All this. It's just crazy. It's just crazy. It's just wild how, how quickly people can turn on these fighters it happens just you snap of a finger oh he deserves this this is amazing and all of a sudden it's he sucks it's it's the sport baby what have you done for me lately but yes ufc won that deal from a income generating perspective no doubt about it i'm sure they probably saw the highlights of dj's finish on on friday and we're like man him versus Piotr Jan would be super fun. Him versus Oswald Sterling would be super fun. But alas, he's over there. And this is and this is better for DJ too. This is better for DJ. Anytime a UFC champion loses, makes him look better in the in the grand scheme of things. And he's making way more money with one. He's working way less. The guy seems happy. So if we're being honest, like who won the trade? Demetrius Johnson won the trade. Because he's happy and he's getting paid. All right, we'll take, we have three more here. We have Mosa coming up now. We'll go to crypto. We'll go to clearest Values and then I got to go. Mosa, are you there? Or Mosa?
9: Thanks for having me. Um, I have a couple questions. The first one is about the double champ thing. Um I don't uh, exactly like the idea. I like when somebody wants to challenge himself and go above a class or down, but to do it in the same time, when you have a built in one division, I think it's going to be un- uh, unfair for the other uh, fighters. For example, what happened with the 155 and what, what it did to, Um, Tony Ferguson and Habib at the time, and they lost a couple of years. Uh, And what did it with uh, Glover Teixeira when uh, Izzy went up uh, weight class? Uh, I think you should uh, do everything you can do in one division and then leave it for good. Uh, But right now with uh, Volkanovski, he wants to go up weight class, and he says... Uh, the one division can keep him busy enough but we can see that he's injured and then there's a couple of names as well, uh, Arnold and uh, uh, Emmet and uh, Yair uh, they could fight for a championship this is my first take and the second thing is um, about fighters who Uh, had their chance to at uh, titles and they don't want to challenge uh, uh, new challenges like we have seen uh, with uh, Justin Gagey he turned down the physique fight I think uh, he lost two title fights to two different opponents and The UFC always gave him a perfect matchup uh, with Vic, with uh, uh, Barbosa. He never had to face a wrestler or Jiu Jitsu perfect unless it was a title fight and uh, with Wonderboy. But Wonderboy did fought a couple bad matchups. Uh, What should the UFC do with this? Uh, They already had their chances for a fight and we want new a challenge, uh, new challenger to come up. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, the double champ thing is, is kind of tough. Like, I actually...
1: If Volkanovsky's going to do this, probably now's the time because there is no number one contender at 145. There is no clear-cut guy. Yair won a weird one against Brian Ortega. Yes, he sort of initiated it, but it's still kind of weird and we still have questions. The Josh Emmett one, most people feel like he lost that fight to Calvin Cater, but he did win on on the book. So the easiest thing to do, and everybody's on board with this. Dana's on board, the UFC's on board, even Volkanovski's on board with it. Just do Yair versus Josh Emmett, do an interim title. Then we have a number one contender. And that's been Volkanovski's problem as champion. It's not that Volkanovski doesn't want to fight. He does want to fight. He wants to fight all the time. But he also wants to fight the guy. And he hasn't had really the chance to fight the guy. There hasn't, like, just go back and, and just look at where 45 has been since Volkanoff won the belt. Anytime there's a guy, like a new guy who's next in line, who has the chance to get over that, they don't win. Like, Cater could have been that guy. And then Max Holloway just sort of blew, he just blew the doors off of it. And we can't. We all came out of that, even after two fights. And we're like, it's got to be Max. It's got to be. And then he goes, and he's set up to to fight Max. Max gets hurt. Volkanovski's like, I still want to fight. The only guy available. I mean, Cejudo was there, but I actually thought that that would have made sense too. But Korean Zombie gets a shot, and people were th- were really happy about that. And then Volkanovski had one of the best title performances I've ever seen. So now Holloway's ready to go again three months later. And Volkanovsky fights Holloway. who Everyone thought was the guy, the number one contender. I can't even even begin to tell you how many people in Las Vegas are telling me Max Holloway was going to beat Alexander Volkanovsky. And I was like, we'll see, man. And then Justin and I thought a Volkanovsky title defense couldn't be any better than the Korean zombie one. He goes out there and does it better against Max Holloway. There's no controversy. This was a whooping from Alexander Volkanovsky. This is one of the best 25-minute title defenses you will ever, ever see. He was so good. He knew everything Max was going to do before Max did it. It was sensational. And now he has nobody to fight. There's Team Emmett. There's Team Yair. But we don't have a clear-cut winner here. So just have them fight each other, and then Volk can fight the winner. So right now, like, he's hurt. But he says he could be the backup in October – so, he's not like hurt to the point where he's out for a year. So, now's the time. Like, if he could sneak in there, if Oliveira beats Islam, or even if Islam beats Oliveira, Vol could sneak in there. There's no doubt, I'm convinced, especially with the UFC doing a card in Australia. If they're going to do a pay per view in Australia, what's Islam going to say? No, he doesn't deserve Of course, Islam is going to be like, okay. Oliver would be like, okay, I'll fight him, and that would be fun. It's just it's just a weird situation. Like, even when Jan Blachowicz was the champion, there wasn't – Yuri was close. Yuri was close. He was getting ready to fight Dominic Reyes. Jan really didn't have anybody to fight at the time. Izzy was ready to go. You bump him up, give him the chance. There you go. I mean, I, I don't like it all the time, but there are certain cases where it's just like, okay, it makes sense to do it right now. Like, Valentin is getting real close. I mean, Valentin argued, like, before the Tyler Santos fight, if she was like, nah, I'm going up to 35 and fighting Amanda Nunez, no one would have said a thing about it. I'd be like, yeah, absolutely, do it. Tyler Santos' fight happens. It was a competitive fight. I still think Shevchenko won that fight. And now maybe we hold off on that. She gets one more under her belt, and then maybe she does it. I don't know. I don't like it all the time. I actually liked what Anderson Silva did. Just go up and fight a 205. Doesn't have to be for the belt. Hamza could do that, too. He was bouncing back and forth. I don't know. Some cases it works. Others it doesn't. And it's okay. Let's go to cryptocurrency, and then we'll go to clearest values, and I have to go.
10: But Yes, Hello. A fight coming up this weekend, which I think could be amazing. Uh, Buckley against uh, Imavov. Um, I think this fight could be really interesting. Uh, Personally, I would almost say that it should be on the main card. But looking at the odds here, um, Buckley is a plus 220 underdog. Uh, at least here in in Sweden and uh, in the Swedish bookies and so on. So my question to you is, first of all, is should this fight be in the main card? I I just think this this could be a really fun fight. And also given that Imavov trains under Lopez and is a home fighter and so on, what do you expect from him? And is this line a bit strange? Uh, is this the result of him being the home fighter I know that he is an amazing fighter and I, I understand that he's the favorite but I just feel like people are underestimating Butley a bit because to me at least there were a lot of questions that were answered against uh, Durayev I think he he really executed that fight perfectly and uh, uh, yeah that's, that's all Mike uh, thank you
1: Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. DraftKings has Imovov minus 255, Buckley at plus 215. Honestly, that's right around where I would have it. And this is not... I don't think this is a a knock on Joaquin Buckley at all. I was really impressed with his performance in his last fight against Duraev. But I think it's more on just how high people view... Nasherty and Imabov. I mean, this guy is a this guy is real good. Like, I think he's the best. He's the he, people use the word dark horse very often, and sometimes it's overused. But I think Dymovoff is the dark horse in this division. The Ian Heinisch win. It's not easy to go out there and just run over Ian Heinisch, and he did it. Then he went out there and just bolted Edmund Shabazi. And Jordan Williamson was good. The Phil Haas fight was weird. But he bounced back from that. I actually think it's good matchmaking here, and we'd be looking at things a little bit differently had he fought Kelvin Gastelum in April, because I think he would have. I think he would have beat Kelvin Gastelum at UFC 273, and then he'd be in a much different spot. But great opportunity for Joaquin Buckley, and he continues to improve and get better, and he looked good against Derev. So I think the line's kind of where it needs to be, but I don't think it's a a knock on Joaquin Buckley. I just think people are just so absurdly high on. On Ima and yeah, yeah, you yeah, add the fact that he's fighting in Paris. I'm sure that maybe jolts public opinion a little bit, but I don't think it skews the betting lines that highly. Sometimes people can't fight at home, sometimes people freeze. Like Derek Lewis hates fighting in Houston, he hated it. It got to him. Some fighters love it. Cater loves fighting in Boston, Font loves fighting in Boston. They are fighters who thrive on that. Some are just like they have to deal with a lot. multiple people th- hey we went we were in math class in sixth grade, man, give me some tickets. you have to deal with that shit all week like that's a lot. That's a lot for some of these fighters to have to deal with. so I like the matchup. I'm picking Emov off, but wouldn't stun me if, if Buckley comes over there and beats him. Buckley's looked fantastic in his last couple. All right, Claire's values take us home. I yeah, think. I just wanted to add on to the DJ talk.
2: Um, and with the trade, I just think that a big factor also is how scale Flyweight was when he was a champion, just because he was so dominant. And once he left, we got all this parody. We got the Figueredo Moreno. We're on trilogy now. Probably we're about to get a fourth fight. Um, and I just think like that in it of itself is is probably the main reason why the UFC won this trade. It added so much parity to division that was stale Um, and, you know, I think the division was up and coming anyway. You know, we would have had Figueredo versus DJ at some point, but you know, it's hard to kind of predict these things and I think Flyweight worked out just as well as anyone could have hoped in the UFC.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was was a lot of timing too. Like, Demetrius losing to Henry Cejudo and then Sahuido turning into the personality that he became and then knocking out TJ Dillashaw was like a very big deal because for a long time like everyone was asking DJ about fighting for the second title go up to 135 and fight this person or you know go for the second belt and TJ is like you know what I'm going to go down there I'm going to go down there and, and fight for the flyweight title and then Sahuido just goes out there and bolts him and Knocks him out in, in mere seconds. And then we found out that Dillashaw tested positive and all that. Cejudo just took that and ran with it. His personality really helped put the division over. And then Cejudo wins the second belt, which obviously gave extra shine to the flyweight division because, oh my God, like this guy, our flyweight champion, just went up to 35 and just just won the Bantamweight title. Like, and he beat the actual Bantamweight champion before that and then went up and fought the vacant title because, The guy that I just knocked out in a minute got suspended. He was on steroids and tested positive for this and that. Like, it made Cejudo not a star, but he was trending in that direction, which is why him leaving after the cruise thing, I'll never – I'll just never be able to really understand. But be that as it may, Cejudo comes in, does his thing, gives the division some traction. Then he's no longer the flyweight champion. And then – we have Davis and Figueredo coming in, and Davidson's just blowing the doors off people. Like DJ was getting finishes, but a lot of times DJ was winning lopsided decisions. And here comes Davis and Figueredo just blasting people, knocking them out, finishing guys within two rounds. And we're like, okay, we have a frigging murderer at 125 right now. And then here comes Brandon Moreno. Positive personality, smiling all the time. Takes a beating against Davis and Figueredo. Gives it back. Fun fight. Great fight. One of the fights of the year. Goes to a draw. Then they fight again, and Moreno wins the belt. And it's this incredible moment. Happened in Phoenix. Place went bananas. It was a star-making moment for Brandon Moreno. The rivalry continued on. They have the third fight. Davis wins the third fight. Now we could see maybe a fourth fight. It became just such an incredible rivalry. It was just dominoes falling one after another. The trade, Cejudo, Dillashaw wins the one hundred and thirty-five belt, vacates the flyweight belt. Figgy comes out just a, just annihilating people. Then this rivalry with Moreno, like everything, just it was like not fate, but it was just one of those things where it's like this is how it was supposed to be just a weird turn of events that brought this division back to where it is. And now every time flyweights fight, it's like, yes, we got flyweights. This is exciting. This is fun. Woohoo. Good stuff. And by the way, could be another flyweight fight coming. That's going to make you happy sometime this year. It's waiting to confirm the other side. I think you guys will like this one, but all right, I have to go. Very busy day. Very busy day. I have to talk to many, many people. Uh, Eric Nixick will be one of those people that I speak with. Daniel Rodriguez will be another person that I speak with. And there was another moment that happened in MMA that went sort of viral in the New England regional scene. And I'm going to be talking to multiple people from that whole thing. And I don't know if I'm excited or nervous or – fringy a little bit because if you haven't seen that video from cage Titans 55, I don't know whether you should watch it or not because it is, it's nasty. It's nasty, but we'll have more on that later on as well, but I have to go everybody. Thank you all very much. Back on Thursday, 10 a.m. Easter. We'll do the damn thing again. Thank you very much. Have a great rest of the day. And as always have a heck of a morning, everybody.
5: Media Podcast Network.
0: Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI.